Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests on the Goodyear Hotline, what a day this is to be alive and to love sports. Baylor wins the title, Darnold dealt, done deal. Rogers talking about walking, lots to do, here we come. Here we go! go, go. Only one place to start. I do not know if we are still on the air or not, as I have lost all audio here, and I have no idea if I'm the only one. Hambo is with me this morning. Are you hearing? I can hear you now. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. So if you can hear, I can hear, then we are all good. To everyone who is tuning in right now across the country, waiting to hear what I have to say about the trade of yesterday, Sam Darnold dealt, by now I'm sure you're aware, to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a sixth-round pick this year and a second and a fourth next year. To everyone who wants to hear my reaction, it can very easily be summed up in two words. And those words are Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's total QBR under Adam Gase, the brilliant offensive mind who has been the head coach of the Jets the past two years and was Tannehill's head coach in Miami. Tannehill's QBR under Gase was 41.5. Sam Darnold's QBR under Adam Gase was slightly higher than that. It was still bad, but it was higher than that. And the reason is Darnold is better than Tannehill. Darnold came out of college more highly touted than Tannehill. He has more obvious talent than Tannehill. By the way, by QBR, Ryan Tannehill, who was the fifth-rated quarterback in the NFL the last two seasons, once he got the stench of Adam Gase's brilliant offensive mind out of his head, Sam Darnold is 23 years old and about to play for his third head coach and third offensive coordinator. And he is leaving behind a team whose first-round picks from the years 2011 through 2018 were Muhammad Wilkerson, Quentin Copels, D. Milner, Sheldon Richardson, Calvin Pryor, Leonard Williams, Darren Lee, Jamal Adams, and Darnold himself. Do you know what they all have in common? I'm glad you asked. None of them is on the Jets anymore. None. Not a one. That is the express train to sucking. If you want to get from wherever you are to being the worst team in your sport as fast as possible, get your first round pick wrong every year for a decade, and then let me know how it turns out. Sam Darnold, who I'm not making blameless in all of this, but it must be said, once and for all, Darnold is the victim of what can only be described as professional sabotage. He's got to be the happiest man on planet Earth today. To go from Adam Gase to Joe Brady in football would be like going from kindergarten to getting a Ph.D. And if you don't believe me, just ask Joe Burrow how it worked out for him. Joe Burrow was getting ready for a career in some other industry before his final year at LSU because he damn sure wasn't going to be an NFL quarterback. And then Joe Brady became his offensive coordinator and he became the first pick in the entire thing in one of the greatest seasons of all time. That Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, is now in Carolina. That's who Sam Darnold is going to work for. You know who his head coach is? Matt Rule. That's the guy the Jets wouldn't hire without telling him who his assistants should be. So that guy went to Carolina and hired Joe Brady, the guy everybody wants. And the Jets hired the brilliant offensive mind that was Adam Gase. That guy, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, are going to turn Sam Darnold into a better quarterback than the Jets have had since Joe Namath. You watch. He is going to do for him what the Jets never did. Carolina's going to draft an awesome receiver, or are they going to get the the, the tight end from Florida? 
and they're going to actually try. That will be the biggest difference between what Carolina's going to do next year and what the Jets have done two of the three seasons that Sam Darnold was their quarterback. Bear in mind, they drafted, they traded up to take a quarterback number three and then tanked two out of their next three seasons. So Zach Wilson had damn well better be Patrick Mahomes because the Jets just gave up three ones to get him. And listen, to be clear, I will be rooting like crazy for him because that's what fans do. But I need one more day of being disgusted for what this woebegone disgrace of a franchise has been the last three years before I can get it out of my system. Tomorrow we move on. My wife knows I have a 24-hour rule. When something bad happens, professionally, otherwise, and I guess I'll put this in that category, I allow myself to be disgusted, despondent, whatever the word is, for 24 hours, and then you move on. Well, my 24 hours haven't expired yet. How bad are the Jets? I'm glad you asked. No team in the common draft era, which is the year I was born, has ever drafted a quarterback in the top three picks twice in four years. Congratulations. You made history. You ruined a quarterback faster than any team ever. Ever. Right now in Chicago, Ryan Pace is throwing a celebration. He's throwing a party. He's got a big sign on his door. At least I didn't do that. So that's where we are. And in case you're wondering how I feel, that's it. I needed to get that off my chest. Get up is not the place for me to do that sort of thing. But that is my reaction to this. Do I think it's the right thing to do? Only time will tell. I will go into this with a hopeful tone in my heart because it is a fresh start. The general manager of the Jets is, for all intents and purposes, new. This is him putting his flag in the ground or whatever it is you do and saying, this is the team I'm going to build. The new coach is someone everyone seems to love. And the quarterback, let's see, comes out of BYU, had one great year. I ask you, when last year, a year ago today, when the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShades of the world were projecting who are going to be the highly drafted quarterbacks next year, I asked them that question. That's my job. You know what names I heard? I heard the name Trevor Lawrence. I heard the name Justin Fields. I heard the name Trey Lance. A year ago, Todd McShay was saying to me on television, there's a guy named Trey Lance at North Dakota State who was going to enter this conversation. No one was talking about Mac Jones. Mac Jones had, by the numbers, the greatest season in the history of college football and won the national championship at Alabama playing in the SEC. And no one was talking about Zach Wilson, who had a great year at BYU. He was brilliant in games against teams that BYU plays. And then he made one unbelievable off-platform throw at a pro day. And the New York Jets decided, no matter what else happens, they can't live without him. Now, everyone else likes him. So I'm not here to tell you that it's a mistake. I'm not here to tell you it was the wrong decision. But I am here to tell you that just once I needed to get that off my chest. Because what they did to that kid, Sam Darnold, is just unfair. And I don't know Sam Darnold from a hole in the wall. I've met him once my whole life. And he wasn't even on the Jets yet. He came here. He came through Get Up, the first month of our existence. I had my own problems back then, if you remember. And so I wasn't really thinking a whole lot about what his problems might be. But he came through here, and we talked, and I met his mother and all that kind of stuff. And he gets drafted by the Jets. And I'm ecstatic because I figure they finally got their guy. And look how it turns out. So I will be rooting for him. No question about it. BYU, by the way, played the 69th-ranked schedule in the country this year. I am Greeny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's Home Quote Explorer gives you multiple quote options so you can pick what's right for you. See yourself. See for yourself. 
at Progressive.com. All right, I'm going to take calls early today because we have a few other things planned coming up. So if you want to give some calls right now with your take on this big trade of yesterday and all the other NFL movement that's been going around, I'm going to take those coming up next. 888-SAY-ESPN. 888-729-3776. So we'll do those next. There are a lot of other stuff to get to today. Tom Izzo is going to jump in live in this hour to break down the title game for us. But again, we'll take your calls on all this NFL wheeling and dealing coming up next right here. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Rolling along. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. The legend, the Hall of Famer, Tom Izzo, will join me live on the Goodyear Hotline in just a little while here, we'll give you some thoughts on the NCAA tournament, the championship from last night. Obviously, most of the show today on the big trade of yesterday. Your calls are coming up here in just a moment, and we'll get to those in 30 seconds after this word from DraftKings. Golfers are at Augusta, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving you a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Just pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, submit your lineup before the tournament tees off Thursday morning, and you're in. Download the DraftKings app right now. Use the code GREENY during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code GREENY. Only a DraftKings minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Breaking news from ESPN's Adam Schefter. The Jets are trading quarterback Sam Darnold to the Panthers. The Jets looked at Zach Wilson's workout at BYU and said, how can we not take this quarterback with this upside? All right, and so that is how the show was supposed to start this morning. Our apologies again for the technical difficulties. We're continuing to work on that to try and make it better. In the meantime, the Jets and Panthers trade yesterday. I'll make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. It essentially assures that for the third time in draft history, quarterbacks are going to go one, two, and three. In fact, I'm not even sure why. I guess we have to include the word essentially, but it does ensure quarterbacks are going to go one, two, and three. Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. Zach Wilson is going to go two. Adam Schefter told me that he texted Zach Wilson today, welcome to New York. So that's a done deal. And then three is either going to be Mac Jones or I think it's going to be Trey Lance. But, well, that's another story for another day. The other two times that it's happened, 1971, Jim Plunkett, Archie Manning, and Dan Pastorini went one, two, three. 1999, Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith went one, two, three. It has never happened that quarterbacks have gone one, two, three, four. I think there was an expectation that there's a real possibility of that this year. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. And the quarterback market has been insane this offseason. 
Jared Goff traded. Carson Wentz traded. Matthew Stafford traded. Sam Darnold traded. Look at all the draft stuff. Hambo put together a list. Ten teams have already either committed to a new quarterback or positioned themselves to do so. The Jets, Washington, the Bears, the Lions, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Saints, the Panthers, the Rams, the Eagles have all done so. And then the 49ers, the Texans, the Seahawks, maybe the Patriots, all these things might come into play as we go forward. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. It has already been a quarterback carousel ride unlike any we've ever seen. <clears throat> but I wanted to give the fans a chance to jump in on this again here. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. And we'll put together some calls before Tom Izzo jumps in and we move on to a few other things. Bubba, who's first up? We got Pat. All right, Pat, what'd you think? Hey, Greeny, this is just, to me, another example of the same old Jets incompetence. Don't blame Adam Gaze. Don't blame Mike McCagnan. Blame the Johnson brothers. And nothing is going to change with this organization, in my opinion, until they are gone. The old expression, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. This is the same thing. The Johnsons are still the pig. And they hired the Miami Dolphins, used trash. I'm not blaming Adam Gaze here. They're the ones that hired him. And you know what? They put this guy in a situation with no talent around him, no offensive line. And I think Joe Douglas better address the offensive line in the draft because I am not impressed with it outside of Mekhi Becton. And I'm hoping I'm wrong, but I'm not going to hold my breath with the future of this franchise in the next few years. Yes. So I agree with practically everything you said. Once again, I don't know that what they did yesterday was the wrong decision. I I want to make clear my overwhelming frustration for the way the whole Darnold thing went from day one through yesterday is what I'm talking about. Doesn't mean that yesterday they made a mistake, and I'll be rooting for Zach Wilson like crazy. But your belief that the problem here starts at the very top could not be more right. If Christopher Johnson, who ran the organization during Woody's time in, in England, if Christopher Johnson, I've said it a million times on the air, was the CEO of a publicly traded company, the board of directors would have had him removed immediately for cause. Because you couldn't run, you could not run an organization more horribly than they did during that time. So that is unquestionably true. That said, it's time to move forward now and root for the best with, with, with Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and just hope that, that it all goes a heck of a lot better than it has gone before. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Next up is Brady. All right, Brady, you're on here. Brady, what are your thoughts? Hey, Greeny. Uh, I'm a diehard Panthers fan, and i got to say, I'm kind of over the moon about it. Because not only is Sam Darnold surrounded by great weapons now and DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and CMC, He's also paired with Joe Brady, the great offensive mind. And now I feel like we have more value at that number eight pick. Because I think I talked to you about it last week. Instead of trading up for the quarterback, I'd rather see Teddy Bridgewater get another chance. Mm-hmm. But now since we have Sam Darnold, we can use that number eight pick to take a Kyle Pitts or a Penn Soul or even another wide receiver. It's 100% right. You couldn't be more right. Carolina is a perfect example of an outstanding football organization. they got an owner who's aggressive and smart. And they've got a coach that everybody should have wanted in Matt Rule. Once again, he interviewed for the Jets job, and the Jets wouldn't hire him because the Jets wanted to tell him who his assistants needed to be. And in Carolina, now they can do whatever they want. Yes, and eight, you will, either, you will get one of the following people. Penny Sewell, if that's who you want, Rashawn Slater, if that's who you want. Those are two offensive tackles that are going to be stars for 10 years in the league. Or maybe Jamar Chase falls there or Kyle Pitts falls there. And if not, Devontae Smith will be available. Jalen Waddle will be available. Carolina is going to be awesome. They stole Robbie Anderson for a song. 
McCaffrey comes back this year. Darnold's going to play great. You just watch. He's going to play great. Brady, you couldn't be more right. I'm greeting. I'm brought to you in part by 303 Products, Premium Protectants and Cleaners. Keep your car looking new longer. Bubba, who's next? We got Demetrius. He's next. All right, Demetrius, you're on ESPN Radio. What do you think? I think the Panthers won, Darnold won, and the Jets just made another classic organizational mistake. Um, I also think the Texans lost out. Like They could have got rid of Deshaun Watson, got Darnold and built around them. Now they're stuck with Deshaun Watson and everything that's going on with him. And ultimately, the Panthers won in this one. Okay, so so let's put the Deshaun Watson one just in a different category. Until that thing plays itself out and there is some resolution and some clarity on all the things that are going on, I, I, I can't see anything moving forward from a football standpoint, and it almost feels inappropriate to talk about it that way. I'm not suggesting that you did anything wrong by doing that, but I don't feel like speculating on that part of it. If they had traded him before all that came up, that would have been an entirely different discussion. From the moment this thing started, that's not going anywhere. That said, do I think Carolina is a winner? Huge. Do I think Darnold is a winner? Huge. This does not mean the Jets got this wrong. I want to make it clear. My frustration, my yelling and screaming was all Darnold related and all the last three years related. I am hoping Zach Wilson is right. Everyone you talk to says they think he's going to be great. There were tons of people you talked to. No, I've never paid more attention to the draft or talked to more people than I am right now. Everybody has him as the second quarterback. And a lot of people say it's one, two, and then there's a space and then you start figuring out three. So I am optimistic about the combination of Michael LaFleur and Robert Sala and Zach Wilson. If only because being optimistic costs the same as being pessimistic, and I'm sick to death of being that. Bubba, who's next? Uh, next up, we have John. All right, John, what do you think of this? Hi, guys. So here's my problem. What do the Jets expect from Zach Wilson, right? They had a third-round pick, and they picked Sam. They couldn't develop him. So what makes them think that they're going to be able to develop Zach Wilson? The Jets do not develop quarterbacks. We need to accept that. That's who the Jets are. That's who they've always been. So so it makes no sense to go on this quarterback carousel all over again. I hear you. Now, look, I, I opened the show by pointing out that going back to 2011, the Jets' first-round picks were Muhammad Wilkerson, Quentin Copels, D. Milner, Sheldon Richardson, Calvin Pryor, Leonard Williams, Darren Lee, Jamal Adams, and Darnold himself, and none of them are still on the team. So you don't need to remind me. No one needs to remind me that the Jets' picks have just been abhorrent. That said, Joe Douglas didn't make those picks. So you have to have some belief. The answer to your question is you have to have some belief, some faith, or some hope that the people they've hired now know what they're doing. The law of averages suggests at some point they're going to get it right. <laughs> they're going to hire the right people instead of always hiring the wrong people. Instead of John Idzik and Mike McCagnin, that Joe Douglas is going to have some, some idea what he's doing. And instead of Adam Gase, that Robert Sala, and, and maybe more importantly for this conversation, Mike LaFleur will as well. That's what's on your mind with outstanding phone calls. It's brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. My thanks to everybody for chiming in. I will set aside more times a little later for some more calls as well. It really has been a, a crazy little time in the NFL with all these changes that have been made. And you ask yourself, are we done yet? And the answer is, I don't think so. I don't think we're done yet. First and foremost, I think Teddy Bridgewater becomes a fairly interesting person in this. Teddy Bridgewater is a good player. 
He's the best quarterback no one wants. He's the guy no one gets excited about. Well, let me ask you a question, hashtag Hembo, seated next to me here. And I, don't, I didn't ask you to put numbers together on this, and, and I don't know there would be. In your opinion, right now, in a vacuum, would you rather have Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback? Bridgewater. Me? I mean, it's not even a question. He was, he was about league average last year, and you can win a lot of games with a league average quarterback. I, I mean, he's healthy. He's good. Teddy Bridgewater is good. He's not. Teddy Bridgewater, here's the problem. Teddy Bridgewater, before there was quote-unquote suck for Sam, there was tank for Teddy. Remember that? Teddy Bridgewater was this can't-miss prospect out of Louisville. Winds up sneak, falling all the way to the end of the first round. Minnesota snuck in on the back end of the first round to take him, and then he looked good. Teddy Bridgewater and the Vikings made the playoffs. They missed a chip-shot field goal, or they would have won a playoff game against Seattle. They looked like they were going to be a good team, and he looked like he was going to be on his way to a good career. And then he suffered the kind of catastrophic knee injury that one of those, you'll remember, that seemed like he might never walk again, much less play again. And I think everyone kind of gave up on him. And people still have that image. Teddy Bridgewater's good. So if Teddy Bridgewater, maybe he winds up in Denver. If I were the Bears, I would have been interested in him. He's going to play next season at 29 years old. 29 years old. So that's all he is. So I think he still goes out into this. And then, of course, there are the really big fish out there. Does something wind up happening with Russell Wilson? Every time I bring it up with Shefty, he suggests that's not done. And does something crazy happen with Aaron Rodgers? I think most of us think that will be next year, but it's not impossible. So these remain absolutely crazy times in the NFL with the quarterback carousel spinning around and around, and we'll continue to cover it for you here today and every day on ESPN Radio. Meanwhile, to what we anticipated being our number one subject today. The Madness. And the Baylor Bears claim the school's first men's basketball championship. The Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Spend a few minutes on last night's championship game and a dominant performance by a Baylor team that certainly last night looked like they were the best team in the country. Had there been an NCAA tournament last year, they would have been a favorite going in. And last night, despite Gonzaga being a four and a half point favorite from the moment that game tipped off, it did not look like an upset to me. Let's find out what the Hall of Famer thinks. The great Tom Izzo, the head coach at Michigan State, is with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Coach Izzo. How you doing, buddy? I'm, it was a wild, uh, you know, kind of a wild weekend. If you look at uh, the Saturday, Monday, I mean, that UCLA game still was one of the great games of all time. And I think everybody thought this would be. And But, you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, things change and everybody talks about offense. But at the end of the day, you defend, you rebound, you don't turn the ball over. I always use that because football, you know, who, who wins the Super Bowl? Whoever turns the ball over the least. I mean, it's it's like uh, the most common thing in America. And, you know, Baylor, the defense was suffocating. And yet, uh, you know, Gonzaga shot 51%. But I think the defense was suffocating. The offensive rebounding, you know, 16-5 to five was off the charts. And even the 14 turnovers for Gonzaga is not the norm. And, and uh, I think Baylor was eight or nine. So those same things usually win games for you, but uh, it doesn't take away from the incredible year Gonzaga's had. I thought depth hurt him too. You know, the difference between playing two guys and three guys is big, Greeny, when, you get, when you're playing almost back-to-back games. And mm-hmm. Gonzaga, you know, played one guy 13 minutes, one guy 10 off the bench. That was it. And, and uh, I thought Baylor had uh, – 
you know, they played three guys, 22 and 16. That's giving people a rest. So that's what I thought the difference in the game was. Yeah, and, and look, depth comes in big uh, time. Also, Tom, when you have foul trouble and they get in foul trouble, Gonzaga, yes. their best player gets in foul trouble right off the bat. Yes. Well, he did, and then at the end, uh, you know, uh, Timmy did. And uh, so you're right. That that hurts, too. Although, although believe it or not, uh, Baylor had a couple of big guys getting foul trouble, too. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the depth so. makes a difference. Baylor attempted 18 more shots last night than Gonzaga did. They dominated on the boards. They played great defense. As you say, they didn't turn it over, and they become the second team in the last 20 years to win the whole thing with two or fewer losses, 2012 Kentucky and now this Baylor team. So, you know, we spent a lot of time, Tom, talking about, well, is this Gonzaga team one of the greatest of all time if they had run the table? How would you put back-to-back seasons now, because, again, you guys didn't get to play a tournament last year, how would you put into perspective how good Baylor is? Well, I think they're really good. You know, they play in a tough conference, and, you know, everybody talks about they had some transfers. Those transfers all sat out a year, so they got seasoned. They got they got stronger. I mean, those looked like men, didn't they? I mean, it was uh, amazing. And, and you know, and it, it's tough for Gonzaga. They would have played them early in the year. It might have helped them. Um, but I, I take nothing away from Gonzaga. I just think that the, man, the aggressiveness of that, of that defense and, uh, you know, the focus, give Scott credit. You know, I talked to Scott halfway through the year because we had the COVID hit us in the middle of January. They had it towards the end of January. He was wondering how to come back. And sure enough, I think they lost two out of three games when they came back, which happens to everybody. And, and, uh, but in some ways, maybe they got some rest in there too. And then we're back on track because they had veteran guys and veteran guys can overcome some adversity. And I thought that was a, a big deal. Good guards, veteran guys, that offensive rebounding. I mean, when you get that many more shots up, um, most of those were because of offensive rebounds. Greeny and Tom Izzo with me here on ESPN Radio. So you know what will happen now, Tom, is that I'll take phone calls from people who will say Gonzaga is overrated because if, if they played in the Big Ten and they had to play Michigan State on a Tuesday and then they had to go play Michigan on a Thursday and then Ohio State on a Sunday, that there's no way in the world they'd be unbeaten. So what is the right response? What should I be saying to those people when they call me up and say that? Well, I think, number one, they probably wouldn't have been undefeated. But I, I know Mark really well, and I, I'm i amazed what he's done there. I mean, uh, Suggs might be the best guard in the country. You know, I think Kispert struggled a little bit during the tournament, and Timmy looked pedestrian-like, uh, you know, maybe with more athletic guys on him. But I think Mark Few would have still had a great team. Would they have gone undefeated? I don't think so. I, 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 you know, would they have even lost one or two games? I don't think so because that steady grind is like people tell you in the NBA. You know, I mean, those steady grinds of back-to-back stuff. I mean, we had one stretch this this at the end of the year. We played like I think it was eight, seven games in sixteen days, and I think we played uh, number two, a number four, a number five, and a number three. You know, and uh, so, so that doesn't mean anything, though. You know, just because you might have lost a couple games or you've been undefeated, nobody will know that. But I'll tell you what, that was a damn good basketball team with an incredible point guard and very, very well coached. Greeny and Tom, there's a one more for you. I had Sean Farnham on the TV show this morning, and he said, in his opinion, Jalen Sugg should be the first pick in the draft. Now, I've been hearing Cade Cunningham is the best player in college and, and the number one pick forever. So give me your, you know, sort of projection there, those two guys on the next level. 
You know, I don't know Cade Cunningham as well. I recruited Jalen a little bit. But you know me, Greeny, you've known me for a long time. Um, anybody who can play two sports, yeah. I think, gets a leg up. Now, I'm not saying if Oklahoma State couldn't, but when you're MVP in your state in football as a quarterback and, and the most valuable player in basketball, um, that takes uh, – we had a kid, Gary Harris, was very good football player, I think. Even though everybody wants to specialize, I think those guys that can play too, I think that'll bode well for him at the next level where, you know, he's going to need the toughness. He's got the size. He's got the athletic ability. I think got to shoot it a little better, but he's a worker um, and a winner. You know, I just don't know Kate enough, but uh, I'd have a hard time if I was in the NBA not taking Suggs because anytime you get a point guard that has – intellect and he has uh you know uh size and speed for his position and the toughness to play two sports and excel in both boy that's i i think i'd be taking him if i uh if Iron Mountain had a pro uh, basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> he was Mr. Football and Mr. Basketball in the state of Minnesota. Tom, I'm so glad yeah. that, that you're well. It is a pleasure to catch up. Best of the family. Thank you for this, as always, and we'll talk down the road. Thank you. Thanks, Greeny. Take care, buddy. You too. Appreciate you. The Hall of Famer, Tom Izzo, again, a few minutes there on the national championship game on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. It really is remarkable. Baylor won 53 of their last 58 games going back to last season. And because they're not the quote-unquote blue blood, people weren't paying a lot of attention to them as this tournament began. Everyone was talking about Gonzaga and maybe about Michigan and, and some other things. And then the upset started happening. Baylor kind of flew under the radar. And no one even talked about their dominant performance of Saturday night because it all got obliterated by the, you know, the incredible <laughs> game with UCLA and the last second shot. But Baylor, that didn't look like an upset to me. I'm not a basketball scout, but from the minute that game started – and I know Gonzaga was a four-and-a-half-point favorite, but from the minute that game started, did anyone think, boy, this looks like an, a surprise is brewing? <laughs> That's certainly not the way it looked to me. All right, coming up next, we're going to give Hembo the green light, which will include the worst moment of the young season by far, and more time for your phone calls a little later this morning as well as we roll on here. But right now, a word from HelloFresh. Get a true, real break with HelloFresh, letting you skip the grocery store, the crowds, the traffic, the hassle, without sacrificing delicious meals. These are whole restaurant-quality meals made with fresh, pre-portioned ingredients that you can prepare in as little as 20 minutes. HelloFresh sends all the ingredients right to your door, delivers them contact-free with more than 25 chef-created recipes to pick from every week. You'll never run out of meals to try. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Greeny12 and use the code Greeny12 to get 12 free meals, including shipping. That's code Greeny12 at HelloFresh.com slash Greeny12. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
Greeny, the podcast. My name is Greeny. You are listening to ESPN Radio. My main man, Hembo, is sitting alongside, and he's getting ready for his green light. These are going to be fascinating stats, which are brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. I'm ready to go right now. Green light light with Greeny. Well, I'm putting the green light on Hembo today as I unleash him upon you with the very latest. As I've told you many times, no one loves anything more than Hembo loves baseball, and no one knows more about anything than Hembo knows about baseball. So I'm looking for three numbers today, three fascinating stats, again, brought to you by DraftKings. Hembo, give me the first one. Green, it was the same old story last night. Jacob deGrom shoved, and the Mets lost. Through six scoreless innings, but was pulled after, curiously, only 77 pitches, which was a debatable move, to say the least. But his fastball sat 99 last night. He hit 102 on the gun. Greeny, right now he has the best stuff of any starting pitcher I have ever seen in my lifetime. All right, let's go over that sentence one more time. Mm. He has the best stuff of any starting pitcher you've seen in your lifetime. That's right. If I had asked you that question three years ago, who would you have said? Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez has the, 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 the pitch mix, right? Like all the, like the fastball, the changeup, the curve. Right now, Jacob DeGrom's commanding 100 miles per hour. We've ne- never seen it before. I mean, frankly, the Mets don't deserve this guy. Over the last three years, they're five games under 500 when he pitches. We're talking about a player on an historically good stretch over the course of three years. It's almost impossible to believe. And the decision to pull him after 77 pitches to that, you say? Well, they def- he defended it by saying, you know, they had the, the week off, the, the game off last week because right. of the COVID issue. I don't, I don't buy it still. To me, this is the best pitcher on the planet. 70, like, this guy needs to pitch at least seven innings. You need, he needs to, you need to earn, you know, earn the right to do so. Like, to me, Jacob DeGrom could easily touch 90 pitches, 95 pitches in his first start of the season. It was a very curious decision. All right, so that's number one. What's number two? Well, the Cubs laid an egg on opening day like we talked about last week, but... They have since won three in a row behind some really, really good pitching. And I would say, Greeny, to you that there is no team in baseball with more at stake the first month or two of this season than the Cubs. And I'll tell you why. This is a team whose upcoming free agents include Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant excuse me, and Javier Baez, three building blocks, at least so, so we thought a few years when they won the World Series. If they're good or they get off to a good start, that changes the complexion of what they try to do this year because ultimately those are all players for whom they could move at the trade deadline and get a lot. It could really shape a lot of different things and change the complexion of really the entire season. I need to take it aside to tell you why the Cubs have screwed up my life. Here's why. Because... It is obvious I know nothing about baseball because when the Cubs came into being in this, in this incarnation in 2015 and 2016, not only did I say on the air that there was no team in any sport with a better future they ha- than they had over the next decade, but I said it directly to my wife. Now, my wife doesn't pay any attention to the things I say on here, but she pays close attention to that. And so her opinion now, as we have seen them decline, is that her husband, Mr. Big Shot Sportscaster, oh, my husband is a big shot sportscaster, she thinks I know nothing about baseball <laughs> because I told her Chris Bryant is going to be a Hall of Famer and the Cubs are going to be the best team in the sport for the next 10 years. I actually went through this whole sort of very, very patronizing explanation of how they won't win the championship every year because that's not the way baseball is constructed. Mm-hmm. It's a marathon and not a sprint, but they will be the best team in the sport for a decade. They will make the playoffs pretty much every year, and the law of averages says they'll win two or three World Series along the way. And now, 
you are telling America, something that I certainly know, and that is that if things start out badly this year at the trade deadline, that the, the entire skeleton of that team may be gone. They could be sellers. Those three guys all are free agents at the end of the season, and their GM of that team is working for Major League Baseball. Correct. The whole thing <laughs> right. has been shot to heck. <laughs> Theo Epstein is right now trying to figure out how to make baseball more fun. All right. Finally, the last one, and I asked you to do this, the worst story in baseball by far. Yeah, just five games, Greeny, into his $340 million contract. Fernando Tatis Jr. suffered a partially dislocated left shoulder yesterday. Now, this is a player whose rookie season ended in August of that year after having a uh, stress reaction in his lower back. This will be his third DL stint in three years. And doing some reading this morning, this isn't a small deal. This is the kind of thing that could sideline him for a long time and will likely require surgery. It's a terrible-looking yeah. injury. If you didn't see it, it actually mm-hmm. happened on a swing. He took a huge cut, and, and his swing is so long yeah. that it, it goes all the way around, and he subluxated, is that the word, that, his that, left shoulder? Yes, that is the term. So when you're a right-handed hitter, when you, when you finish your swing with one hand, he almost did this sort of like helicopter maneuver, which a lot of hitters do do. But this is actually something that got Chris Bryant into a lot of trouble, why he's missed so much time in Chicago, because when you have to repeat that swing over and over and over again, it puts a lot of stress on it. I mean, the, the manager said yesterday they have to pop it in and out, and they've had to do so several times. It's an issue he's dealing with. It's going to require surgery. This is not, this is not the time to be learning of this. That news. is bad. Yeah. I mean, on the old show we used to do, Mike and I would joke around, did he tweak it? Do you think he torqued it? We never did, did he subluxate it? <laughs> like, subluxate, it feels like a word that has more syllables in it than are necessary, mm. right? Like, subluxed should be enough. Like, he, he suffered a subluxed shoulder. I, he subluxed it. I feel that way about the word lacerated. If you've lacerated your kidney, that sounds much worse so you're than any that, other word you'd use to well, But what it. you're saying is that it could have just been lacerated? <laughs> I don't know if that's a verb. I don't think that the added syllable Bubba would know this. In lacerate, Bubba, of course, many may know, is um, ha- actually contributes heavily every single year to the publishing of the new dictionary and to the selection of the new words uh, that Merriam-Webster chooses. Your thoughts, Bubba, if I may, on the word subluxated, its root, and uh, and your thoughts on its uh, its usage in this case. No, I think you guys are spot on. Yeah, no sub and uh, luxated. Um... No, you guys nailed it. See, luxated could be its own word also. You could go either way. That mm. injury should either be a subluxing of the of the shoulder or it should be a luxation a lux- of the <laughs> shoulder. What happened to his shoulder? He luxated it. Right. Uh, Fernando Tatis has, a, has a luxated shoulder. Like that would tell the story. Subluxated. Just feels like it's too many syllables that it doesn't. Bubba, I want you to. Do, in fact, mm. I would like to put a committee to look into this. And, Bubba, if you have time, I'd like you to chair that committee. Because it just seems to me that it's an additional syllable, and I just don't have time in my day for it. A subluxation committee? <laughs> so I did not mean to spend that much time on this nonsense, but it is worth pointing out again. This is a bad injury for a guy who was five games into his $340 million contract. We'll get back to the trade as we continue more of your calls. And Aaron Rodgers talking about walking next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.